Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Folks, happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Weekend is here. Uh, weather's warming up a little bit in Buffalo, so it's not terrible, but uh, too much snow in November. I'm not used to it. Um, yeah, I know. Um, but we have to start with the NFL and what happened yesterday. Now the suspension, the suspensions came down, but and all right, so let's hear them. I didn't hear it. Um, Pouncey, the kicker of the of He's not a kicker, but he was the kicky. He was the kicky. Yes, no, no, he was the kicker, and and, I know, I know. and Miles Garrett was the kicky. Yeah. Um, he got three games. Okay. Um. Another offensive lineman, I think the one who was punching him, he got mm-hmm. a game, and Garrett got suspended the rest of the season and postseason. He's out and he's suspended indefinitely. Okay. So it could run into next year too. It could. He basically has to appear before the commissioner or something like that to now I okay. I saw the highlights. I saw the I didn't see it live, but I saw like the snippets on and the gifs on 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 uh, Twitter. Um, and I heard Max Kellerman from ESPN talking about uh, Mason Rudolph should have been suspended as well, not as severely as Garrett, obviously, or the other guys, but that he did something that got Garrett going, and then Garrett went, you know, cuckoo for cocoa puffs. I I didn't see that. Did I didn't see it either? So I don't know what he's talking about. Um, I was falling asleep when it was live, saw it, but I I saw all the videos and I did not see any indication of anything he said. Right. But even if he said the worst, right, it wouldn't absolve him of that. It would just get him a suspension too. Miles Garrett, like let's he's another one like Vontaze Perfect, perfect, who has sort of gotten himself a rap sheet now for lack of a better term. Sure. And that, that hit against Trevor Simeon that broke his leg. That was the second game of the year. First game of the year. No, second game. Second. Night game. Um, that was pretty brutal. And I didn't complain about it. I was just like, all right, I know people called it a late hit. It was a late hit, but I was like, all right, you know, things happen in football. And he's had like three or four questionable things since then. And this, I don't know if Pouncey should have gotten three games because he literally was defending his quarterback. And I think that's kind of rough. Not saying what he did was right, but I think maybe just one game would have been sufficient for Pouncey because, again, when you're hitting a guy in the head with the helmet, Lyle Alvedo did that once to Chris Ward of the Jets. Right. I think I remember that. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. And so we don't see it very often, but – it is brutal, and some people brought up Marley McSorley, who did also get arrested for that. And I'm all for getting Miles Garrett arrested for this. I am. And they're deciding, Rudolph's people, if they're going to press charges, and then I think the DA is also looking at it. 
I'm fine with that if it crosses the line there because this was that bad. Because if you would have hit Rudolph the wrong way, you could have killed him. I mean, he did hit him. I mean, it, oh, no, but if you'd have hit him in a temple. Oh, oh sure, sure. Especially with the velocity that Garrett yeah. did. And, um, I mean, Pouncey is a key offensive lineman for the Steelers. So yeah. this could not. This could basically knock these two teams both out of the playoffs. I mean, For something where they were – defending themselves that's where the nfl i think got this wrong right yeah i i sort of agree with that i mean honestly honestly if i'm the offensive one of the offensive linemen for my quarter for my quarterback and uh the guy is swinging the court first ripping the helmet off of his head second uh banging it off at full velocity off of his head i'm gonna try to kill the guy i really and, am and the thing was he they were trying to hold back garrett and he has such long arms that he was able to swing over the head and hit him with the helmet. Right. So at that point, had Garrett backed off, we wouldn't be talking like the way we are now. But he didn't. And and that's where he is a bad guy. Everybody knows it. And there's a certain amount of these guys in the NFL. There's no question about it. It's, yeah. it's a shame that someone like Drew Bledsoe gets, you know, not Drew Bledsoe, Drew Brees, um, gets lumped in with him because he is a good guy. But he's in the same league with these guys. And I think it's just – it's a horrible thing to see on national TV. The NFL did act swiftly, which is fine. But people aren't going to forget this. No. And somebody said this morning, this will follow Garrett around for the rest of his career. And it should. And it should. It, sh it really should because it's a it's a very ugly act. Now um, – And, you know, it's just like where do we – this is not the – football players are not gladiators, right? Let's let's make that distinction because I hear that once in a while. Well, they're, they're gladiators or they're soldiers, and it's like, no, no, they're not. They're full-grown men playing a kid's game, which is great. I love covering it. I like watching it when it's, when it's played the right way. Again, you don't learn this in peewee to hit guys like that and to do things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, it's just like – you to me, you got to get these guys out of the league. You well, just, I mean, the only the only um, the only comparative of uh, football and uh, gladiators over the last few weeks was uh, you know that cat that was running at MetLife Stadium. It's sort of like the Tigers running in the Coliseum, right. but I don't think that that cat was going to you know slash somebody's throat with its. Uh, Claws, but yeah. Uh, just switching to baseball here for a second, and we'll get started. Uh, Ak will be joining us. Um, the baseball writers are continue to be clueless. The American League MVP award. Um, now, I, I pretty much knew Trout was going to win. I mean, right. you know, I think we all did. But it went Trout, Bregman, Marcus Simeon. And DJ DJ LeMayhew fourth. Yeah. And I, I give up. I, I basically said on, on Twitter, uh, a New York Yankee will not win a major award ever again because they keep going down this road of, well, it's a Yankee. They're $200 million payroll. They're a big market team, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't care if the, the guy hit 26 home runs, hit 327, I believe, and played gold glove defense at three positions, and he finishes fourth in the MVP voting. Go screw yourself, baseball writers. You're idiots. Yeah, it's definitely wrong, but 
I don't think it's a Yankee thing. I know Yankee fans like to have this inferiority complex at times, but I think it's just the reputation of the player where he doesn't have a reputation of being a great player. And I think that's wrong. I think any player on any given year should have the ability to win any award. But I think what we've seen in that sport is when does a relative newcomer ever win that award? Like as an example, had Pete, had the Mets made the playoffs and you didn't know at the time that you voted for the award, whether they would or not, but like Pete Alonso came in seventh in MVP voting. Now, if you really look at it, he's a lot better than seventh for MVP voting. He was one of the best players in the National League, forgetting about a rookie. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think. You know what I mean? But, but he has no reputation. So they're like, well, we'll give you the rookie award here, tap you on the head. Um, but, you know, this is the big boy award now. Well, I mean, we had a we had a similar discussion about Kale McCarr. It's like, okay, Kale McCarr may be, like, right now the favorite for the Calder. But the way he's playing, he should be in consideration for the Norris. But we know how the Norris works. Mm-hmm. You know, John Carlson, because he was fifth or sixth in the – he was sixth in the voting last year. And, you know, say they're having equal years. Well, he's got the leg up because he got votes before. And, you know, yeah. Giordano had to pay his dues. Dowdy had to pay his dues. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it, it – you know, and I don't like this in baseball too where guys who deserve to win gold gloves don't win gold gloves – and then when they don't deserve it later on in the career, reputation-wise, they still they still win it because they have the reputation. Right. I, I totally agree with that. I, I don't know what started that, but I'm clearly not in favor of it. I'll vote for Cam McCarr for the Norris if he's, you know, still having right. that. Yeah. 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 All right, let's get started. Uh, like I said, Ak will be joining us any momentarily. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, November 15th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. The sun's out. It's 50-something degrees. That's nice. Shut up. And I'm Michael Lichello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with some games uh, from last night. Uh, I'll start. We'll start with the one that I was at. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Buffalo Sabres, it ended up being a 5-4 overtime victory for the Hurricanes. Sabres came back uh, in this game. They were down 3-1. They came back, tied at 3-3. Uh, the Hurricanes got a goal late in the third period on a power play that incensed the crowd at Key Bank Center. Uh, then the Sabres tied it up with less than a minute to go in regulation, a Jeff Skinner shot that was uh, ta- uh, that was deflected by Johan Larson. They go to uh, uh, they go to overtime, and a there was a the, the perception was is that Svechnikov should have been called for a penalty um, against uh, Ristolainen. I thought it was basically Ristolainen deserved a penalty, and Svechnikov. The re- the referee saw it the same. The fans obviously didn't. Uh, they come down a couple of moments later and after the penalties were called, uh, coincidental minors, and Dougie Hamilton scores the winner. Now, that is, uh, I believe, seven of the last uh, – let's see. No, seven of the last eight. Sabres are 1-6-1, and one, and there are 1-5-2 and two in their last eight, uh, falling behind dramatically in, in, the, in the Atlantic division. And, Russ, like I said, I said at the beginning of the year, I think they're improved. I don't think they're a playoff team, and they've proved that the last eight games. Yeah, I was watching that game, and a couple of things struck me. After the game, though, 
Did I see a stat that they had that the Sabers haven't beaten the Canes in like 10, 10 games or something? Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, that's been going on for a while. Yeah, so that's been going on for a while. Um, this is definitely one they should have had. The fact that it took Curtis Lazar, who look, I loved him. I've interviewed him. He's a great guy. He's, you know, a decent fill-in player. He had a nice goal. If that spark didn't get you to win that game, mm-hmm. nothing was going to because they were a dead team before he scored that goal. They were dead. They were absolutely dead in the water. And, you, were and, there, so you know. Yeah, and, and, the, and the spark of getting the tying goal late in the third. I mean, yeah. all the momentum emotionally was there, but, but Carolina just – just continued to persevere. Now to this morning, and we were talking about him. I don't know if it was off air or on one of the shows recently. The Sabers called up Rasmus Asplund. Yeah, I want to talk about that. No, we talked about it off air. Yeah, because I want to talk about that though um, yeah. for a second because that's what I've been tracking this morning actually. And, 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 and the reason the reason they called him up is because Marcus Johansson is out. I think I saw him walking in the press box yesterday, and they played Evan Rodriguez as their number two center. And I'm sorry. He's not. He's not. He, he's a third or fourth line at best, and you can't. You know, I mean, Asplund. I don't. I don't know where he grades out, but he's having an okay year with Rochester. Give your kids a chance. Yep. Well, there there might be. I don't know. Talking to somebody out there and uh, following up on a couple leads I got, there might be a this this particular Rasmus Asplund call up, yeah. <laughs> which happened. I think. When did the last one happen? Was it today? Even. What's that? Was he called up again today, or was it? No, no, he was called. This is the first time he's been. Called. Time. Okay, this is the first time he's been called. Yeah. yeah. So now they have three. They have three Rasmus. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, this one, a couple people there, I think, is pointing towards a move that a move that's, that the Sabers are working on. Well, I, I I was at the game yesterday, and there were twenty three scouts. Yeah. A lot of a lot of regulars, guys that you see in Buffalo and Toronto all the time, but twenty three is a little heavy for a Thursday night in early November. And I got the feeling when Marco Scandella was inserted in the lineup yesterday, coming off the injured list, that it smacked to me of a showcase. Now I talked to somebody else and they said, Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, they've got a lot of defensemen and I know that they're looking for forward help. So Yeah, they need a I mean, I, I you gotta remember that, you know, you have a coach there. Whenever you have a new coach, this is something that I've been learned in this in this rumor trade. You know, yeah. whenever you have a new coach, you have a tendency to, I mean, the November, the th- American Thanksgiving is used for a lot of reasons, right? It's used for like, yeah. you know, it's used in a lot of different ways. It's, it's used, it's used like, okay, if we're not in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, but that 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 has actually been proven not to be the case in the last few years as much, nearly as often. And last year, in fact, of course, everybody's the famous, you know, St. Louis Blues in last place in January, right? So anything's possible. But with new coaches, I've noticed that. A new coach, especially an experienced new coach like Kruger, mm-hmm. some, like the inexperienced new coaches will make change, will, will force changes right away. The experienced new coaches will come in and they'll leave the team as it is, and they'll say, "Give me through November to see what I got here, see what see what see what I'm dealing with." Because you can't really tell in the preseason, you can't really tell by interviewing them. You have to you have to play some games. You have to play some mm-hmm. games, games, right? And but Kruger is a very specific kind of coach who likes specific kind of players and. You know, so it was, it's inevitable that the Sabers are going to make trades. Like, and and he's going. You know, who that's going to be? You know, is it Scandella? Is it you know, who? We don't know yet. But I think that, you know, there there's a big push towards he's getting. He now has seen his team in sort of all of its glory. You know, we saw it like we saw it play play really well, warts and all. Yeah, he saw it play really well for a while, and now he's seen it play really poorly. Um, 
you know, and he now knows what he has. Like he knows it, that's a good, a good coach. Two months, that's enough time to know what he's got and what he needs. So you're going to, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like in the cities that have brand new coaches this year in Buffalo is especially one of them because yeah. you know, I have this factor that I, that I do it. I, I should post it again because I do it every year for fun. That's called the desperation factor. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and it, it takes all these different things, different things into account. And one of them is, you know, like Buffalo is a city that, that, that's dying, you know, that, that wants a team that wants a team to make the playoffs. There, this is a, you know, that, that plays into it. Uh, how well, long you haven't been in the playoffs plays into it, you know? Well, I, to, to that, to that point, Ak, and I was a little taken mm-hmm. aback. I mean, Carolina, I mean, they're a touchstone team in Buffalo because, you know, they lost to Carolina in the, in the, in 06. In yeah. The, and that, that still haunts them kind of. Right. They, they, they don't, they're, they're not well liked. Um, and as a Thursday night, it wasn't a bad weather night. And I would say there were about 11,000 fans. They were loud fans. They were yeah. boisterous, but I mean, the feeling, here. Which is which, which is not the reason that you know that something's got to happen. Because- right. the, the feeling here, the feeling here is is that nobody believed the the good start. Nobody had yeah. confidence that it was for real. I don't know. I mean, nobody. Oh no! I, mean, I, I, I like fan wise. What's that? You mean fan wise? Fan wise, yes, fan wise. I yeah. mean, there you, you got to understand them being gun shy for sure. Oh, oh no! I mean, I. But fans are quick to fans are fans was, are quick to believe things. Like I was that. a season ticket holder of this team. I had friends who w- w- wanted to go to the games. They stopped wanting to go to the games. That's yeah. why I'm not a season ticket holder any longer. Yeah. I mean, it's under it's completely understandable, and they're, gonna, they're basically going to say, "Show me," and until the team shows them, they're not going to believe, and I, I, that's the case. Okay. Now, yeah. now. I, I grant your point regarding Kruger. The thing is, is that Kruger's not getting fired. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Botterill's not getting fired. No, the first okay. move here is going to be players. They have a lot of unrestricted free agents. Yeah. They, they, they This is the same team with the exception of Jason Pominville, and they, and they, and they added VC and Johansson and uh, Miller uh, and uh, Yokoharu. Uh, so they added to a team. They added depth to that team. But right now, Johansson's out of the lineup. VC has no goals. Uh, Colin Miller was a healthy scratch. And Yokohara right. scored the tying goal yesterday. So right now, they're basically the team that they were at the end of last year where it's Reinhardt, Skinner, Olofsson, and uh, and Eichel scoring the goals. And that's their offense. They don't have enough. Yeah. No, they don't. And uh... – yeah, and and, that, and and it makes all the sense in the world. Like, and and like Kruger is definitely not going anywhere. So no, they're going to have to make. They're going to have to make. I mean, they're on his own is not garnishing you a lot. He's a bottom pairing defenseman who could play fifteen yeah. minutes. I mean, I think their I think their strength is still coming out of dealing a defenseman. Like, I still think that that's where they have to come. And I, I mean, the obvious the obvious Ritzalainen thing. It seems like Ritzalainen is happy there now. Yeah, I, I think the reason I bring up Scandella Russ is because yeah. they're up against the cap, and Bogosian yeah. apparently is close. I'm saying, you know, they may get a draft pick for Scandella because he's a veteran yeah. bottom pairing guy, but they have to clear the cap space to to add somebody. Sure. I, I, you know, I, I know that the name around Buffalo over the last couple of years, and I think you've reported it in rumors, has been Tyler Toffoli. They've always been interested in Toffoli. Yeah. Uh, it's never come to fruition, and with him getting healthy scratched in L.A., maybe that's a fit here. But the thing is, is that he's making over, he's making close to four million bucks, I believe, and they can't, and they can't fit him under the cap if unless they trade somebody out. So it might be two deals, and it might be a situation where yeah. they have to clear Scandella to bring in Toffoli. 
Well, at this, at, at the CU um, is, is one guy they're looking at for sure. And that's a, that's a guy who I wrote about today when Buffalo is one of the four teams I put on there. Um, you know, that cost a lot more in Scandella. Yeah, it will. It will. Um, but they have, they have some prospects from what I was told. They have some players, but I'm, I'm going to caution this. Okay. As much as I like a Tennessee, you already brought in your Hanson. You're bringing in similar type players. Yeah. And, and these aren't guys that are guaranteed 65 point guys. They're not, neither one of them are. Yeah. And so I think they're different. I think, I think as in the CU, uh, they're not that much different. The fantasy is faster, but not much. I, he more plays into I mean, I think what's been lacking in Buffalo for a really long time, talking to my friends up there who, you know, and obviously Mike, you know, this very well too, and talking to Garth, talking to all the different people who've come up and watched that team play on a regular basis. Um, is you know, they they haven't had a, a really like, you know, besides Eichel, who's no question, you know, a great player, they don't have a breakout exciting type player. They 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 you know, since like maybe even Danny Briere, you know, like you have to go back a ways before that since they've had a player who was just like who had like the breakaway speed and the, you know, just the dramatic play of like an Athanasiu. Like that, what he an Athanasiu can do is that. Like he has that in him, mm-hmm. and right. whether or not and 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 in Detroit, the style they play in Detroit, which is not too similar, too dissimilar from like the style they play in Toronto. You know, because obviously the Detroit's coach is a is with some you know grew up on grew up with Babcock, uh, is very, and that's one of the reasons the Detroit fans are dying to get a coach change. I mean that you hear it all the time, right? Is 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 holding you know Athens to you back where I think Kruger would let him go. Like I think Kruger would let him fly, and because the European style that Kruger's used to coaching is is much more into you well, know letting the talent like that be the talent. It's it's a question of whether Athens because if I'm wrong, I know he's played both center and wing. Um, yeah, the, the, he's the, a winger. He's a he's a winger. That's it. The crying need for the Sabers is a number two center. And that's been a crying need since yeah. they traded Ryan O'Reilly and they don't have it. And there's nobody, you know, if, unless you're willing to wait two years, I mean, Casey Middlestad now is, uh, I think he had a point last night, but he has one point in his last eight games. I got in a little bit of an argument on the radio yesterday with Mike Harrington, of the Buffalo news, because I said, I said, maybe they should consider sending him down. And Harrington said, no, he's learning up in the NHL and he's, you know, he's doing okay. But, but the thing is they really, I, I, they're at a point right now where they can't have somebody learning on the job as a number two center. They need somebody who can be effective as a number two center. And unless you're going to wait for Middlestad for another year or Dylan Cousins for two years i don't think going out and getting a Tennessee who isn't a good center as funky cold zadina says in the chat that helps them he's a, if yeah, you know yeah. great if he's a if he's a winger they've they've already got reinhardt and skinner and Olsen. right they need a number two center yeah, and, i think yeah i think they would see him as a center you know like very oh, much yeah. in the, very much in the mode of danny Breer. that's like the thing that's the kind of player that I, i'm telling you i've seen him play a fair amount i think that's a stretch but i'm also going to say if you're if you're saying that they haven't had a guy with breakaway speed or whatever, Maxima Fenneganoff was that guy. And McGillney before him. But right. They're, those are the yeah, and, and that, they've had that history for sure. Fenneganoff, McGillney, Briere. That has been that, that, you know, that long ago. The problem was, Russ, that Fenneganoff loved it. It was a while ago. Look it up, 2007. Affinaginov. Yeah, he wasn't Affinaginov in two thousand and seven. Like he was. Affinaginov loved to skate around the offensive zone and never shot the puck. That was his problem. Yeah, he was at his best. We're talking still like right around two thousand. I mean, no, no, no. In oh six oh seven, he still had sixty one points. Then he fell off. 
No, but I mean, I, but he wasn't the yeah okay. But I, I mean, no, I mean, he had a good year. He was part of those two conference final teams before that. Yeah, he was, but he wasn't. I mean, I, yeah, okay, all right. I'll, no, I'll, 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 I'll yield. I've been he watching too much. Too much of the, too into the congressional hearings. I'll yield. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think why, that. Um, why yeah. waste your time? No, I, I, you know, it, it's like you know, you can't turn away. From um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a train wreck. Um, so, but, no, Gresham, but you know, I, I think that yeah. But, but see, this this is the problem. Where do you where do you get a number two center? Right now, you probably don't. And at, at the deadline, you're getting rental centers. They don't need a rental. They need a right, guy. Yeah. And I don't know who's going to be in free agency. I mean, Taylor Hall's the big name in free agency. He's not a center. He's a winger. They they, yeah. they need a number two center behind to take a little bit of the heat off of Eichel. And I, they're probably thinking that it's, it's going to be internal that they're going to find that guy. But that's going to be a couple years. That's going to you know Dylan you know, I'll, I'll is you, gold. I'll tell you a better trade, and it would cost you less – and you might get that number two center out of it. Try for Nolan Patrick because something's going on with him and the Flyers because now he's not skating again. We don't hear any any reports about his headaches anymore. So it's kind of like I'm beginning to wonder whether the coach wants him at all. Like, I know. I am beginning to wonder that because, heck, I mean, he had been skating all along. I mean, we're already into November. Yeah, but this is the way that head injuries work. You know, like, I mean, it's like the the, the Flyers are try, are doing a good job at shielding him from everybody, I think. And and, and I, I think well, – they're doing a job because now nobody knows what the deal is. Well, yeah, and I think that that's specific because, you know – there's there's history there. There's precedent there with not with other with the Flyers and other and other you know star players with concussions. So I think I think that there's a issue there that they're going to they're going to treat this thing with kick gloves and I think they're going to shut him down for the year. I honestly think that's what they're well, going to do. look like. It looks like he's going on LTIR now. And yeah, I think, um, I think it makes sense to shut him down for the year because he's still uh, very young. All right, so I guess he still is battling that problem. I didn't know if he really was or he wasn't anymore. No, I think he definitely is. Uh, Robin, Robin, the chat said. Uh, you know Tyler Johnson for uh, for Tampa from Tampa. That might be a possibility because he's locked in on a contract. Yeah. Oh, Tampa yeah. is going to have to sign a couple people next year, like Sergachev, and at least he's a real center. He's a real center. Um, he's in, he's a veteran enough that he, that he would fit into that role. That I mean, he's not big, and I'm sure they would want prefer a big. I mean, I don't think you want to put Cousins or Middlestead in there. At a young age, when they're not ready, so then you know you may they're gonna probably have to go outside the organization to to get that to work. But and Esmir says Kyle Turris, not a chance in hell. Yeah, no way. No, they won't get him. I mean, uh, yeah, it was an interesting night last night though with some of the games. You know, like I know oh, yeah. you well, uh, that game uh, as well. How much did you watch the Rangers Tampa? Because I mean, nine- I don't think it was like four or five goals in. Yeah. And, but I knew, and, and this is something David Quinn probably doesn't know. I knew if you're going to bring in Lundquist already with a game at four, nothing, it's the worst possible time to bring in Lundquist. Yeah, that's not the way. Right. That's not the way to bring him in because he was not going to offer you anything. And he didn't. Yeah. Let, let Georgiev suck up the loss instead of bringing in a 38 year old goaltender. In if it was a game where it's one goal, two goals, and you didn't like what you saw, even three. Once it was four, even Lundqvist had that look like, why am I in this game? I remember talking to Marty Biron about Lundqvist um, having, when he was, he was the backup. And, you know, late, I mean, uh, talking about at the time he was the backup. This is after he was there and after he retired and everything like that. And he called Lundqvist, like, the most 
you know, likely goalie to have to like, uh, I'm trying to think exactly how he said it, but he's like, basically he said he was like a, a, a sports car, you know, and that he, yeah. he, would, he, he, if something small breaks on him, he's in trouble. And also he has to have everything right. Um, and yeah. if everything's right, he's a crazy, crazy high tuned machine. But if it's not right, um, and, and and part of that right is like the daily preparation for the game and everything that goes into it for yeah. like this is like he has he has like his thing he does, um, you know. And if you if you if you break that, which is you're going to do obviously when you bring him in halfway through a game where he's not expecting to play at all, you know that's you're not going to get anything from it. I mean, I I do think I kind of admire what what the um you know what the what the Vegas Golden Knights have done where they don't even put Flurry on the bench, you know, like. If he, if you're gonna if you're gonna not play the starter, you know, bring up your third string guy, and if you have to go, if you have to make a change, the second string guy's not doing well. I kind of like that system because it makes it, it makes sense to me. You know, like it, it's like that if you're really gonna break your, you know, you don't want to throw your your starting goalie into a game that doesn't matter anymore because you can't win it because you're so far behind. Why risk the injury? Why risk him like getting you know giving up a lot of goals or whatever? Just I mean, it's a good chance to to give some like you know. It's a good chance to throw some throw throw a bone to your third string goalie too. Like get him in, get him in a game, get him, you know, get him some NHL. Money. I wanted, yes, I agree. I want to give you this quote, Eck, because this is what made me think. And 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 apparently, it's not official. Flyers haven't put Patrick on LTIR. Maybe they're thinking about it. But this is the quote that Jordan Hall got from Vigneault yesterday. Mm-hmm. Vigneault said he hasn't had a conversation with head trainer Jim McCrossin in a little while about Patrick. Like that to me. Sounds like a coach that has factored him out completely. Or a coach who has like, you know, ex- like has created deniability, you know, like me, like has like created a situation where he, he's like, don't tell me about, I don't want to have to answer questions. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to be put in that spot. Um, if he's not, if he's, if he's, if, he, if he's not ready, he's not going to be here. There are coaches who like that, you know, the plausible deniability type thing, you know, yeah, but you know, when that looks bad, it looks bad. When someone like Darren Dreger goes on national TV and says he's not even close, yeah, and I think and and now I, you're not I would trust Dreger because of his Canadian connections, you know, and all that stuff in that situation. Right, but now you're not hearing anything from the club, anything from the coach, and now you're hearing it from the outside. To yeah. me, that's bad. It, it, yeah, it kind of it does, um, and I but I think a lot of it is to keep the pressure off of Patrick, actually. Okay. You know, because because if, if you've got a head injury and you can't do anything about it, you know, the last thing you want people to do is talk is have to ask their questions and stress and all that stuff. I, I think that it would be good. You know, it, it, the best answer on this whole thing is to shut him down completely for the year and just say, OK, you know, he's a young kid still really. Oh, young. Yeah. And this is like, you know, and there's no point. We, we you know we're going to shut him down for a year and bring him in next year. And it'll be like adding a great free agent or whatever. Just have you know, you can play this any way you want to. Right. But. But 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 if it, as long as they don't do that, that means that someone is saying that, or he's or 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 Patrick's not letting him do that. Patrick might be saying, "I'm going to be, I want to, I'm going to play," you know. Yeah. Well, that takes that takes Nolan Patrick's to 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 kind of agree to that because with a head injury, no one knows when it's going to get better, and you literally have to keep checking every couple of weeks. And but if I'm Nolan Patrick's friend, you know, I'm saying to him, "Listen, with a head injury, the one thing we do know is that concussions." gotten closer together are a problem, you know, so you come back in, you, you can they're telling us it's migraines. They never said it was a concussion. So now that's the other part of this. Actually, depends, that's how it depends where, yeah, no, yeah. They're telling us it's migraines. The not concussion thing 
while it may be a hundred percent the case, there's a lot of people I've talked to that that say that the flyers and concussions they don't like to they don't like to put things in concussions because of the history. Um, right, and, but I'm, I'm, what I'm basically saying is because of the way this is all being handled, they yeah. have created extra dialogue. Right, they have, and 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 they're probably in knowing them, they're 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 going to probably come up with some sort of decision. Like you know, they'll probably they probably will like at some point shut them down. I would yeah. think. No, because we'll they don't. They Comcast hates extra dialogue as you know they do and they're in that yet at the same time Vino is going to want this you know just to say leave the kid alone for now now one of the other games last night that got attention because you know mcdavid and dreisaitl went went cuckoo for cocoa puffs uh was colorado and edmonton uh mcdavid had three goals and three assists dreisaitl had five assists yeah but but this is this is the thing that i think we have to talk about um Colorado's goaltending situation, which we've Russ, you and I have said is yeah. something is an area of concern. It is. I talked to somebody yesterday at the Sabres game. Grubauer's out injured. Right. Now, I believe Frank Coos is injured. The goal, yeah. the goaltending that they had last night, uh, Werner is an SHL goaltender who they considered their fourth string goalie in right. the system. He's up and he got pulled, and Antoine Bebo, the ex-Leaf and Shark, was the uh, was the, the the backup yesterday. He got in there. I mean, this is a team that I, like I said, I think has the possibility of going deep in the playoffs. But I think they're going to have to add a goalie, and not because Grubauer, you know, not because no, I think they're going to have to add one too now because I saw that game where Frank Kuz got freight trained, and yeah. he's probably dealing with a concussion because he hit the crossbar. Right. Or the sidebar. So now they do need a goal. There's no question. Yeah, they do. Um, and they've got, but they had the money to do it. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the young assets to do it. And and yeah. I, I don't know why I keep going back to it, but Craig Anderson played a long time in Colorado. That would make, that would make a whole lot of sense because they could take on that contract. And I'm sure Ottawa might be, because Anders Nielsen has taken over as the number one in Ottawa. So I would think that, Craig Anderson might make sense for Colorado as either, you know, a stopgap number one or as a veteran backup who can play sizable games if Gerbauer needs to uh, needs to rest or needs to heal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I didn't give a lot of credence to McDavid's great game because like Werner's never played in the NHL. Like this is just, like he just got thrown in there. Well, they went they went four for six in the power play. The Oilers did again. You know, the power play is crazy. Um, no, and it should be. I mean, dry cycle at this point, it should be, but it isn't usually in situations like this. Yeah, it, you know, what I mean? when you have that much talent, power plays tend to have issues. I mean, you've I'm just it, like look at Pittsburgh, yeah. I mean, Washington, Washington's power play is like 18th in the NHL. You know, I'm Toronto's 23rd. How about Toronto right now? There you go. Yeah, I mean, so it's tough to get like a ton of talent going. Um, and I think the reason for that, I think there's a good reason for that. I was thinking about this the other day. Why are good teams have? Why do good teams have bad power play sometimes? And I think the reason is they're good teams is because of how they attack. Like when you watch the Capitals the other night, they really impressed me. By the way, like I haven't gotten to talk to you since then. Um, just watching them, they are so. They're definitely where they were when they went when they won the Stanley Cup. No they're, they're they're playing like that. Their their quickness in the transition, but their ability to like, the one play that kind of like amplified exemplified them the most was um, when Oshi like steals the puck right inside the blue line when he puts a stick on the ice and turns it turns it around. I think they scored off that. Um, but even if they didn't, that was so Capitals. You know, like that's what the Capitals do. The Capitals are incredibly good at countering you 
closer to your net than any other team. Like well, there's a lot of teams that counter the counter in the mid in, in the you know neutral zone, but the, the the caps will counter you really close. And that is not a play that happens when you're on the power play. Like the weird thing about on a power play, people teams just ice it. So mm-hmm. when when but when you're when you're when you're out there five on five, you've got to carry the puck or make a pass through there. You've got to do something there, right? And I think that that's the capital strength is picking off those plays and, and turning it and turning you back, like and having odd man rushes because you set a pass up this way and now you're caught going back the other way, and the Caps have three, a three on two or four on two. Where on the power play, the Caps Caps set up. They don't get they don't get the advantage of that speed and transition because once you're set up, you're standing still mostly. You know it, it's you know the speed, the transition, the the counterattack. I mean, this is what the Penguins. This is why the Penguins counterattack has, has been the Penguins' game. That's when the Penguins are at their best. They're the best counterattack team I've ever seen. Um, and this was the key to like the LA Kings when they were at their best. Um, the same kind of thing that I've always said like the ability to pick off pucks um, in the other team's zone and the ability to get the puck out without being picked up in your zone are like the two major or two major things. And that's, you know, that how good your breakouts are. Good teams always have incredible breakouts and are great at breaking up the other team's breakouts. Russ, I almost get the feeling though, that the cat, the reason the capitals are so on right now is because I think they realize that there's a window here and this is going to be the last chance that this group has to win because Backstrom's a UFA and the UFA and we don't know, like we don't know what Ovechkin has said. Like we don't know, like what's going on behind. Well, he's still got another year, but he I mean, does, but like Russ, Russ brings up the, you know, has this has this theory, and I kind of subscribe to it. That you well, know, if he wins another cup, he's he's had he's yeah. on a plane to. He wins another cup, he's gone. Yeah, I think if he wins another cup, he is gone because there's nothing else for him to play here, and there's so much to be gained by him returning to Russia. Definitely, personally, for him, and to do it before he's completely been completely out of it to like go over there and and, and dominate the KHL for a couple of years would be really outstanding for him. Um, yeah. And because he's going to eventually run the Russian hockey program. You know, yeah. like this is what you're looking at. You know, you're looking at he's no, going to take what he wants. The, you know, the two yeah. things that the Capitals do that nobody else in the East really does is they can intimidate you with physical play and yeah. can include it, but they also have strong defensive forwards like Oshie yeah. and Carlson on the power play. The puck never bounces over his stick. You never have oh, to worry about it going the other way. He's by far the best defenseman in the NHL right now. And I mean, and we look at the points and stuff like that for sure. It's easy to sit there and say that, but it's beyond points. It's like, he really feels like pronger at his best in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not quite yeah, as, not, not not as, as, as pronger, not as intimidating as pronger, yeah. but how pronger just had such a command for the ice. Like when he had yeah. the puck, he was Chris pronger. That's what Carlson has right now. Well, something else that the capitals did and they, they helped, keep Joel Farabee stapled to the bench. I want to talk about that because this was a game where if you're wondering why I always say, hey, sometimes these guys that are in between, it's better to leave them in the AHL. This is the perfect example. He had two or three giveaways that game. His ice time the last three games has gone from 19 minutes to 16 minutes to 14 minutes to 11 and a half, 11.50. So that's starting to go down. Four points in 12 games. More takeaways than giveaways. Yep. There's a point where Elaine Vigneault is going to put him out there, but if he sees two or three more of these games, then all of a sudden Joel Farabee's not in the position of developing anymore. So, buddy, Russ, it's an outstanding point because I had the same exact discussion two nights ago with a good with a guy who uh, I won't want to say his name, but he was he was very much he was on Scotty Bowman's staff a couple times, like he was okay. with Scotty Bowman, and um, 
we were talking about Farabee, you know, because he really likes him. He, you know, and he's yeah, like, we Frost too. Everybody like, I mean, they're they're both good players, right? Yeah. Um, but he said the reason Bowman would never play a guy who was that young on the first line is because the first line always gets the best checkers on the other team. Right. And, you know, so you put a guy like, it's not that Farabee's not a first line player eventually, because he is, but why would you put him up against the best defensive players the other team has? I so bad, kid. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, like, why would, why would you, it just makes no sense, because you're really, you're setting yourself up for an absolute disaster with him being on the first line. And with the Flyers actually not having, the Flyers actually having like two first lines, pretty much. I mean, there's really no, like, is Couturier's line the best line or is Giroux's line the best line? It really is. I mean, when they had Couturier and Drew together, they had a definite first line, but separating them out, they don't. Um, but, you know, that that's a, that's a great point. And, and Farabee, who really looks good against teams that don't have a great checking line. Right. Um, teams that aren't geared for the playoffs. Like, the Caps are geared for the playoffs. Oh, the they, Caps are geared for a long run. Yeah, they're geared for the playoffs, so they have it. They know how to check. And this is a team that checked, you know, the Vegas Knights when no one else could check them, right, in the same right. that year. That's clearly what you saw in – and I was impressed the Flyers took it to overtime. I'll give you that. I mean, that was like. Dude, the one thing I did bring up, though, Ek, yeah. while that was a positive, their six regulation wins is not a positive. Yeah, no, it's not a positive. We're getting the points. The points. I mean, it's better not to get points in, than to get points in, in the past. Oh, they were points. So right. we that, but you're right. Six regulation wins. And, and you know what happens? If you continue to hemorrhage points against Eastern teams, it's going to be a problem in the end. And if you want to go down that road, because it's very similar, the Leafs have nine wins. Six of them are in regulation, and the yeah. six wins are against the bottom six teams in the NHL. That's, that's a statement of how badly they're playing right now. Did they beat Boston? In overtime. Right, in overtime. Right, not regulation, got uh, you. Minnesota, San Jose, L.A., Detroit, Columbus, yeah. and uh, there was one other. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're – Here's the deal, Eck. Boomer Gordon the other day – on SiriusXM said that 27% of the games so far this season have gone past regulation. Crazy. And it was 20% last year. You can you, you can feel that. You can just sense it just because you're watching the games every game. It's is a bad. bad strategy if you aren't like the Washington Capitals or a top team because now it looks like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if, where 92, really like 93 points could have gotten you in the playoffs in recent years. Now it looks like more like 98 to 100. Nah, um, I'd say 95 at least. It's funny because it's, you know, some will argue that that's parody, that the teams are close. Some will argue that it's causing parody, which I think is what's actually happening. Because I think what's happening is when teams look at the final season, the week of the regular season, and they're two points out of the playoffs, like what, like Montreal last year, you know, like a good example, like that Montreal team is going to, is going to go into this year getting every point they can. So they're going to decide that they're in, if they have a, if they're in a tie game in, even in the first, you know, month of the season, Okay. Can we at least agree, and we've seen this in the Flyers and everybody else, that if there's two minutes left in the game and it's tied, the game is pretty much going to overtime unless there's a bad turnover. And then in in the three-on-three, three, unless there's a bad turnover or a bad line change, nobody's being aggressive. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the fact the Flyers aren't playing Chris Stewart in any of these games. Right. <laughs> Which is like the whole point of like, okay, you know, the, the argument they kept making, he's such a great – He's such a great, you know, and they're losing shootouts by like one goal. Right. Well, let, let, I mean, there's a lot of points that if you're going to have Chris Stewart, use him, have him on the table for this. I mean, you're, right. you're he's not going to get you points any other way. No. This way he's going to get you a point, you know, go for it. I mean, you got, so you got a young enough players that you can, you can afford to play like, you know, I don't know. You can afford, you can afford to put him on the fourth line. 
Yeah. And not even play him. Like double shift Giroud on the fourth line, but just have Stewart ready to go. Like have him ready to go. Right. Because this is what you need him for. Um, just, I want to bring up one thing too, uh, really quickly on the Oilers real fast, just move back. And that is the fact that, you know, well, Drysdale and McDavid had 11 combined points last night, which was pretty unbelievable. But besides, besides that. But that, um, but, but that illustrates the, the problem with that team is that it's all them. And when they don't score, they don't win. The last Yeah, that's a problem, Mike, until you have two guys who are 10 points ahead of everybody else in the NHL. Like, yeah, well, it, and at some point, it's not a, it's not an issue. Okay, we'll see. I, 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 I will see. And, and I see them are young. We're not talking about guys in their 30s. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about two young players still. And, and, and this may affect them when they get to their 30s of not having as much left. I agree with you. But it's been short. I, I think it's going to affect them in January when they're playing 25 minutes a night and they're spent. But I think the thing, the thinking here is from Tippett, and I agree with this thinking, is that we've seen the NHL, the beginning of the season seems to matter more than anything else because it, it seems like how you set up this thing because mm -hmm. it just gets tighter. No, it gets tighter. It, 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 as tight as it is already with 27% of the games going, it, that number is going to be 42%, you know, four months from now or, th or three months, two months from now. You, you have to get, you have to jump out ahead. You have to get out of the gate strong. You have to. If you don't get out of the gate strong, you're screwed. There's I'll, no question. I'll, I'll grant you that. I'm and just... they're doing that. So Edmonton is getting to the point where they are a playoff team, like no matter how you slice it. Like they are really putting, I mean, if they go through the end of November and are still in first place in that division, they're a playoff team. No, no, I don't think any team that's been in first place at the end of November has missed the playoffs in the last several years. I mean, that's like. I think your chances are very good. I won't say it's definite. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, and right now, the thing I'm trying to say is Dreisaitl, and Mc, Dreisaitl is, has 41 points. McDavid has 30, 41 points in 21 games. Okay, so Dreisaitl has a 1.95 points per game. We haven't seen anybody in November close to two points a game in forever, right? Oh, okay. So let's just say this. The Oilers have won 13 games, 12 in regulation. They have 28 points, and they're, <laughs> and they're, six, points out, they're six points out of being out of the playoffs. So, yeah, but, but look, 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 that's a that's a serious number of games in regulation. First of all, that I is, know I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying I'm just saying that they haven't carved out this 10, 12 points. Yeah, but you're the one. You're the same one who argues that six points is like um, but you'll never teams will never make that up. You know, like this is like six takes a little while. It does. They have their six points, but they also are four spots out of not making the playoffs. And you know, as far as positions go, so look at that. I mean, they have to. They basically have. You know, they could they could fall to. I think the only place. way you guys can settle this is by making a bet. We've already made tons cookies. of that. He owes me like a dozen cookies. I've never I do owe him like a dozen cookies. I'm going to go all or nothing, though, on the Oilers finishing in first place. How about that? Because um, I'm happy about this pick. Just like I'm not so happy about the one I picked. Let me, let, let me, finishing in first place. But that's okay. Let me, let me, let me go back. I'm going to finish this thought on this, guys, and then we'll go back. I promise yeah. you. Dreisaitl has 41 points. McDavid has 37 points. The next closest person in the NHL is David Pasternak, who is having a hell of a year. Um, but has 31 points. So Dreisaitl is 10 points ahead of Pashnik. Okay, so Dreisaitl is, you know, already, you know, in November, 10 points ahead of the, you know, you take McDavid out of the equation because McDavid and he play together. He's 10 points ahead of the next viable competitor. Um, and then after that, it drops off pretty quickly too. So, you know, like Barkov, you, if you go to the number 10 position, I think you're looking at a guy with half the points of Dreisaitl. Right okay. can I, can I, can I, that's nuts. I mean, that's just... Can I, can I give you a stat here? Please. Dreisaitl's got 41 points. McDavid's got 37 points. The next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players 
don't total the amount oh, of. I know. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and that would, I would have that would be a bigger issue with me. I would agree with you if you were saying that Drysdale had even 31 points, which would still make him the number one leading scorer in the league. I'll give you a, I'll give you a bigger. I mean, maybe at 27, but they have 41 and 37. Okay. And I'll give you, that's making up for a lot of those. Point, the point is, the, the point is, they're doing it by themselves. I'll give you a bigger issue. Like we talk about, well, how are the Penguins going to survive without Crosby or with without Malkin? Yeah. And they've done it already. Partially this year, could the Oilers do it even for a week without no. either one of them? The answer is no. No, no. The answer is no right now. Although, <laughs> the question you can make about that is, you know, at what point do those younger players, and there's some good players in there, they're not putting up big numbers, but they're good players in there. At what point does all this winning start to help those younger players? I'll there tell you what. When and that, they, that's they, what that's what tip that's tip is that's tip of strategy. Uh, well, it's it's a weird strategy because I'm telling you, it's only when Tippett decides that that guy is going to play good enough defense for him to bring him up instead of yeah. bringing up a guy who could play really good offense and just haven't played good enough defense because Tippett and, gets a little crazy about that. And Tippett, they are playing non-Tippett like hockey. This is they, are, they, are, they have they are all they have 18 players playing Tippett like hockey. Right, that's what's happening. They, they've got two that aren't, and they still suck defensively. That's what that's that's the problem, Mac. They right. don't have, they don't have enough guys contributing. Their to, goalies though are, are in the top ten, both of them. Okay. I mean, they don't suck defensively. They they're they're terrible. Uh, they're not good defensively. No, they're, they're not a good defensive team, but their goalies are making up for it. So they're they're not oh, right. that many goals. Uh, is that sustainable? Do you ex do you expect Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith? To save their save their bacon, I don't. I All right, so let, me, let me ask this basic question. <laughs> we, can have this, we can't have this fight every day, but so I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm totally with you. Go ahead, Go ahead. So Tyler Benson last year had 66 points in 68 games in the AHL. He's a point. He's a point a game yeah. again this year in the AHL. Yeah. Why isn't he with the Edmonton Oilers? Dave Tippett. That's why. Yeah, because he's not ready defensively. Because right. they'd rather, because they'd rather play Gaetan Haas. That's right. Um, but, and also, just not, and I, that, you know what? He doesn't have to be with the Oilers right now. That's the bottom line. Like, there, there might come a point. There may where be a time where he does have to be, though. Yeah, they're either, and that, then we can call that argument. But right now, That's there's no I, reason to rush him up here because there's no point, you know? Like, well, let me, let me just go back to something we talked about. Just yeah. I, mean, I just want to say, Mike, you know, the Hindenburg did look good in pictures before it took off. All right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me break out the marshmallows so we can have oh, man. I should run for mayor of Edmonton. <laughs> let's, let's drive to Lakehurst, New Jersey and make some s'mores. Um, sure. On the, on, on the, with, with some burning German bodies in there. No. See, now why did you go there? What the hell is that about? Well, he said the Hindenburg. Yeah, Mike's Mike's opinions do not reflect the opinions of that of hockeybuzz.com. <laughs> Absolutely not. I didn't go there. Or West Cohen or sportsology.com or anybody in the tri-state area here. There. Anyway, continue. The, uh, the 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 big factor in the Athenasiu trade speculation is the fact that he's a restricted free agent yeah. with, with arbitration rights. And they don't want to deal with him. And they don't want to deal with him because Darren Ferris is a pain in the butt. He's right. an agent. And I don't think Eiserman thinks he's really good. Like that's the other thing I'll throw out there too. Like I get from talking to people, and I and I, I know Funky in the chat room and other people in the chat room, and we have a chat room, guys. If you're on, it's really fun. Jump in there, and on YouTube. But I think that those, those um. The rest of those guys, there's definitely Iserman has sees something in him that he doesn't like. Well, see, the thing is, is they've got two guys in the same situation, RFA with arbitration rights in Athena CU and Mantha 
and based on what he's seeing out of Mantha now, and he knows Mantha is going to be a 30 to 35 goal scorer. Maybe, maybe he still has some motivational problems, but he's got high-end talent. I think he wants to pay one of them. I don't think he wants to pay both of them. And, right. and that's why I think Athenasi will be traded. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to get the package that he thinks that he's going to get for him. That's the thing. Yeah. No, you're probably right. I, mean, I don't think he is either, but I think that this is the time to do it. Like, he's got the value right well, now. He's going to package it with something else. If he, if there's yeah. a prospect or so he doesn't like, if, if he doesn't love yeah. Michael Rasmussen and somebody else does, then you can get a lot more. He may have to do something like that. But I think the reason Iserman doesn't love Athanasio is because he's not strong defensively. He doesn't really have any pushback in him. And Iserman obviously wants a little of that because, like, even a guy like Tyler Johnson – being as small as he does is does that. No, yeah, it's very true. Now the question say something here about this. Um, good. I think that this man here is absolutely beautiful. Um, there's no question about it that this is one of the most attractive men in hockey. And and this 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 look of Kyle Dubas is so frigging Toronto. <laughs> like this is this is such a hipster young um don't you think? Come on now. This is like he's a young guy. So what? He's a young guy. He's got look at the jacket he's wearing. Look at the shirt he's wearing. He looks more like an author than I do. That's he does. He looks like he should be reading at like you know yeah. Checkers or whatever the store is up in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, or, or like you know, like talking to me about like string theory. Like I want to, I want to hear him talking to me about talking to me about string theory. I mean, I love Dubis. He's a good guy. Yeah, you know, we were in the press box. You know, you know, he he said hi the other day. All cool, but. But this look like this is just like has there ever been a hipper looking GM and like so Toronto like not in in all the good ways like, well, like, there's there's a lot of really good looking people in Toronto I don't I don't think he's Toronto I just think he's a young guy and that's the who's no, there's a lot of good looking people in Toronto a lot of good looking business people in Toronto well I'm in Toronto all the time so there you go yeah no, I know well, I'm just like, like that that shirt he got at the Canadian version of Old Navy like I get what X saying yeah it's like it's not really a, it's is it is it a jacket or is it like a sweater like he's wearing it's hard to tell I think it's a sweater but who cares about that you know what it is I'll tell you I what think it is. it's important Mike I do I think it's important for a lot of reasons it is and important it's a sweaty because it's a cross between a sweater and a hoodie it is it's one of those, which again is crazy hipster sweaty and a sweaty yeah he just looks he looks like <laughs> Like Rachel Maddox, somebody said. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He's not talking impeachment as Mir. That is actually pretty funny. Um, all right, I'll give you that. But no, I'm just I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That was well done. That was well done. Um, all right. But he no, he just I don't to me, I just had to I had to bring that up for a second. We'll go back to our regularly scheduled program as we were already in progress. Yes. All right, but um continuing on here. I <laughs> just like that picture. No, I, I was gonna I was gonna say. Um, you know, can we talk about the quietest five game winning streak in possibly the history of the NHL? Because, and Sharks, yeah, because, because they dug themselves such a cavernous hole that after a five game winning streak, they're still four points behind the wild card. No, but that's great. I mean, well, you can't. just gave Edmonton all kinds of hell for being six points ahead. No, 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 so I'm no, gonna no, say I've that been that ripping everybody catch up and and best Edmonton. No, no, but I, I've been ripping everybody because nobody has really wanted to cover this. And yeah. they've been winning game after game after game. And like, and if you remember, I think I said after two or three of these, if they just figure out what the defensemen they have to shield the goalies a little better, that will give Martin Jones a little more confidence. Yeah. And that's probably what they're doing. I haven't seen their couple of games on this win streak, 
but that's probably helping a lot. Yeah. No, well, let's look at who they won in this in this streak. Okay, they they really they played they beat Chicago. It started with Chicago back on that back on Tuesday, November fifth. Um, they go into uh, and that that game is at home again at home. So they've got they, they won the first three games at home at least. Well, they have four a big home. actually four, four four of the five the first four of the five games were at home. Right. Um, so Chicago comes in, Minnesota comes in. Those are two pretty bad teams. Then they come at least right now. Then they then they take the, they beat the Predators and what was a really good game in overtime. I watched that game um, two to one. That was like a classic playoff game, and they looked like a team that was getting confidence. Their fourth win, and then of course you know. Um, on November twelfth, they beat Edmonton, um, and that that was six three, and that that was big because you know Edmonton, like we talked about, they're the best team in the NHL. And then we get on to um, Anaheim. They, they they go on the road to Anaheim, who was is overrated right now, to be honest. They probably are. I agree. They but overrated. they're playing well and they're doing good things, and they they win. So they've got five games in a row. The next game, by the way, at home against Detroit. Um, so that's six in a row. Six in a row. Um, then at home against Edmonton. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it could be, and then they go to Vegas, and then they go. If Andrew Kane going back to Vegas, will he? Will he be? I was going to do the rest of the season for the Sharks. If you're if you're okay with that, yeah. Will Andrew Kane stop at the Cosmopolitan with a five hundred thousand dollars check? I do want to say, <laughs> hold on, because I, I want to say I think the game against Minnesota was a one goal game. It was, and they've been playing. That Devin Dubnik has been playing really great hockey yesterday. The only reason the Coyotes had a one-goal game is because he had a giveaway that he literally passed right to a Coyotes player and put it right in the net, and it was um, Connor Garland. They outplayed the Coyotes for a complete game, and yeah, that's got to be something that they got to look at. That's not easy to do right now. The, the Coyotes have been have been very consistent. So, by the way, by the way, I think Esmir had the uh, had the, the the correct call there. He said that that was a cardigan on Dubis, and it may have been Cardigan Thursday, and that's the reason why. Uh, is that is that a Toronto thing, Cardigan Thursday? No, I'm no. sure it is. Um, you know, it makes total sense if it would be. It didn't have big buttons like a cardigan, though. but but uh, but but see the 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 main. The main focus there, and we have to mention this, um, the Leafs are struggling right now. They had a team meeting yesterday. They canceled practice. Yep. Um, they got some bad news today because on top of Mitch Marner being hurt, Alex Kerfoot last week had apparently, in, again, a game against the Kings, had taken some facial fractures, dental fractures, and he played within the last couple games. He's out indefinitely. He had surgery on, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, dent some sort of dental surgery, and they said indefinitely. So it had to be something more serious than a than a root canal or a tooth replacement. So yeah, you know, the, now they're without him. They're without Marner. Uh, that puts Spezza back in the lineup. I know somebody in the chat was saying, "Well, now it's Jeremy Bracco's chance." They're not. They, they called up Nick Batan. They uh, called up Bracco. I think tonight Rick St. Croix playing, right, Mike? Is that true? Um, yeah. Is Rick St. Croix the goalie tonight? Um, for the Leafs, Rick St. Croix. Yeah, you know, he Rick St. Croix. Come on, remember him? Doug <laughs> Doug what? Doug Favell. Yeah, Doug Favell. There you go. No, Rick St. Croix played for the Leafs. Yeah, I know. So did Doug Favell. I know. I'm trying. I was trying to think of the worst goalies of all time for the Leafs. And Kurt Ridley, Vincent Tremblay. Don Edwards was pretty terrible for the Leafs. No, 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 no. He, no, he was for the Leafs. He was bad. He was bad, but he wasn't that bad. He was no. This, you want to hear what he did for the Leafs, right? For this, he only played thirty-eight games for the Leafs. He yeah. went twelve and twenty-three yeah. with a four-point-seven-eight goals against average. <laughs> look, look up Vincent. Thirty-two save percentage. Look up Vincent Tremblay. 
Vincent Trombley, yeah, okay, I got that. Jim Rutherford actually was terrible for the Leafs, too. I was looking up the, you know, they had some goalies that were pretty good other places that were terrible. Vincent Trombley, all right, ready for Vincent Trombley? Played 40 games, um, was 10, 18, and 8, which is not as bad as Rick, as, as the last one. 452 goals against average. There you go. Peter Ng, somebody said it. Yeah, Peter Ng. Yeah. It's funny. So I was going through, I was trying to think of them, you know, and it's funny because, like, I'll give you the goalies that were all the all these goalies were good other places. Ready for this? Peter Ring wasn't <laughs> really interesting. Okay, so <laughs> Ron Lowe, no, Ron Lowe was not very good. Anyway. I have a brief, brief Peter Ring story. A couple years ago, I'm up uh, for a Leaf game, and they sometimes will have fans in the crowd for practices. You know, they'll have Bab yeah. Janahan talking to them, and somebody was wearing. Talking to the talking to the crowd was wearing a Peter Ng jersey. <laughs> That's awesome. Who the hell is wearing a Peter? I, Ng? I, I totally respect. My wife, when she goes to a game, wears an Adam Burt jersey. Well, let, 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 let me fin- let me finish the punchline. It was Peter Ng who was wearing. Nobody else would wear the jersey. It was actually Peter Ng. It was actually Peter Ng. That's amazing. All right, so these goalies played for other teams and were good, but were terrible for the Leafs. Don Beaupre. Yeah, that was after he played for Minnesota. No, it was all these are all after. Vesa Toskala. Well, please. He was, yeah, really, he was really good in San Jose. Grant Fuhr, again. Yes, but they traded him for Dave Andrewchuk, Darren Pupa, and a first-round pick, so thank you very but much. It's weird because these guys always the same thing. Um, Bunny LaRock, who was good in Montreal. He was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Rick St. who was pretty good in Philly and terrible in Toronto. He had a good strat card. Um, yeah, he did. And Jim Rutherford, who, of course, was legendary in Detroit. Yeah, but but his stats sucked in Detroit because Detroit sucked in the seventies. But in he he only played eighteen games for the Leafs. Want to know how many games he won? Four. Dead on, man. You're good. Yeah. Four ten and two with a six point one two goals against that. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Rutherford six yeah. six. Let's throw that out there. That's pretty Mark, good. Mark, him, Funky Colds Dean has a good one. Mark Trees LaForest. Mark Trees LaForest. Oh, yeah. You know. And it's of, of the recent goalies that have played for the Toronto Maple Leafs that are terrible, there's one that really stands out. I mean, Trombley's pretty recent. No, he's not, is he? No. No, he's, he's not. not. You don't get a chance to be this bad anymore. No, but but Justin Pogue. Justin Pogue, yeah. Justin Pogue. Justin Pogue did some pretty well. He actually, uh, in seven appearances for the Leafs, okay, seven appearances, went 1-4-1 and one with an 8.36 goals against average. That's not possible. But he won a gold medal in the world team. <laughs> Yep, Garrett Sparks. Look yeah, I mean, but who is playing tonight? Tonight, tonight they're turn, they're playing Boston. They're not going to go back to their backup again because they're afraid. No, but 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 uh, Casimir Casimir who's their backup, will start. Will make his first NHL start against Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow. All right, I give him a little bit of credit there because they could have run away from the Bruins again, but they didn't. They're they're going to go with um. I like that. No, they always go with Anderson in the first of back to backs. It's it's that's that's one of the flaws in in in, in Babcock. It's like how many goes, goals until they take out Cascasula? It, it's it's so hard. Yeah. You know, of all the job, of all the things you have is your job. You know, they'll they will not put Ander. They will not do what Quinn did yesterday. They will not put Anderson in in relief cold to replace Cascasula. They'll let Cascasula get get basically murdered. Okay. <laughs> if it's 8-1, he's going to stay in for all eight. I got this letter from one of these scouts. He said, in 1972, the Leafs lost Bernie Perrant to the WHA, and Jacques Plant was in his twilight careers. Um, the goaltending depth chart was so thin uh, that they turned to Ron Lowe, yep. who, was, um, who was a 22-year-old at the time. Um, 
He went 12 and 28. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, he was taken in the expansion draft. This is the, this is the weirdest the Capitals. Thing. This is the weirdest thing. Bernie Perrant was traded to Toronto for Doug Favell. And yeah. then after he came back from the WHA and refused to play for Harold Ballard, he was traded to Philadelphia for Doug Favell. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, of course, that, you know, for having Doug Favell. Philadelphia Firebridge jersey, I want to say. No, I have yeah. I have a Doug Favell Colorado app, Colorado Rockies jersey. That's what I have. I know I had a was the Boston Bruins guy to start it all off. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Ray Krause, another one who was pretty good someplace else and not very good in Toronto. There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, but he played 72 games for the Leafs. That's how – Let's not start going remember when with bad goalies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just having fun. Um, okay, so yeah. there's an amazing stat I want to give you before we get out of here. We do have to get out of here. Um, all right. Remember last year, um, you know, like we had to combine more assists than Patrick Line in the NHL, like the three of us, um, mm -hmm. for a while. Um, 20 games this year, Line A leads the Jets in assists. That's crazy. With 14 and 18 games. Right. That's impressive. I mean, that's a huge right. turnaround for him. And when you think about it, that's just an, that's an amazing thing. And then finally, I want to get into Peugeot because um, we've been talking about him a lot in rumors. I think the Penguins are making a play big time. Yeah, Russ. He, I, I, I got it wrong. He is a UFA, and they were talking. They were talking about it last night. On, Joe was, yeah, yeah, yeah. On on, T, on TSN's insider trading, and they said there has been no talk, none between wow. Corey and. Well, maybe he'll be a rental and come back. I mean, they, I know he likes it there, but yeah, yeah. But, well, the, any UFA that's not nailed down gets traded there. They, it, right. it, that's their model. They may, oh, it's true, but it doesn't mean he wouldn't come back. Oh no, no, I think so. Well, I think once you're traded, though, it's that's such that you just don't know. No, I, mean, I mean, look, organization is Ottawa to Pittsburgh and have any kind of success in Pittsburgh, you're not going back. I get that, it. That organization yeah. is a, such a cluster right now that I even if you like going there, you telling me. I mean, I'm sure Ryan Dezingle liked playing there, but he didn't go back. He went to Carolina. No, but Peugeot, thing, no. but this guy Peugeot, who's like considerably usually like a ten to twenty goal scorer, you know, in there. Um, the fact he's like a point of game guy right now, pretty much, is um, it, it does it kind of piss you off when a guy does that when they're going to be a UFA and you think to yourself, man, oh man, like you know, like come on, like you're an NHL player. Is this just because you're up for a contract? I can't help but think that every way. Sport, every sport does it. Yeah. I know, but it's like it really is frustrating to like. The, it's got to be frustrating for people out there who you know. Who aren't making the NHL or whatever, and they're sitting there saying, you know, one of the most infuriating things when when the Leafs signed Jason Blake. Jason Blake scored forty goals in his walk year when he played for the Islanders, and he never came close to that. Never even came close to that again. It yeah, was, it was. A, yeah, you're right. I mean, and Peugeot over the years. I mean, I've always. It's funny because you don't watch Ottawa all that much. Whenever I watch Ottawa, I've always been kind of impressed. He does have skill. You can see like he's got yeah. it to him. He's and, a effective player. But yeah. he's more known for being a really great defensive forward. He gets shorthanded goals yeah. he's in the league. He's led the league before in shorthanded goals. But I just looked up his shooting percentage. It's 24.4. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, finally, that, the last stat I have is that, that last night, this is pretty – that the, uh, the the Lightning had four goals before the Rangers had a shot last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> That's something you don't see very often. Actually, Sorry. I'll tell you one other thing you don't see very often. Yeah. Where the opening faceoff, the opening faceoff in Tampa, they had Chris Kreider and Ryan McDonough take the faceoff. So then they had it with a couple of veterans. There was like a 90 something year old guy who was a World War II veteran. It was great. 
They shake their hands and then they did like the bro shake, Kreider and McDonough, because they were longtime teammates. You know, like nice for sure. Yeah, no, they're good friends. They're not the fist pump, Mike, the bro shake where you do like the knuckles thing. Oh, yeah. You don't see an opening face offs. Yeah, that's what I do whenever I see Russ in the press. Yeah. I try and do the the fist pump with that because I never know where he's been. But I'm a real fan of the of the bop thing. Oh yeah, yeah. If I'm going to say my favorite greeting, it would be that. That's what I do in hockey. But I just push 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 Rush Russ out of the way so I can get to get to a Swedish fish. All right. Well, this is deteriorated into nonsense even quicker than I had planned. So let's get out of here and have a great weekend, folks. Remember, without the buzz. It is. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.